0: I'm Dr. Sarah Hales-Britton.
1: I'm Luke Patrick. And I'm Sam Siegel.
0: And welcome to Greased Lightning, a podcast where we talk about myth and the movies and see what we can learn. Hi, guys. Hello. So we have, like, a a movie and a topic for today, but I also wanted to report back to you guys on something that I didn't know about last time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have researched... Um, I think it was you, Sam. You were asking about um ancient money and Mm, like denarii versus sesterces. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So I went to the trusty Oxford Classical Dictionary article on Roman coinage (laughs) for this. Ooh, sexy. Yeah, and learned a lot of things. Um, so apparently Rome. As many societies did without any form of currency for a long time, but then when they started making coins and and developing currency, it was um, all made of bronze to start with, and the denarius mm-hmm. was introduced in the like late third century BCE as the f- main um, silver coinage. Okay. Mm. So. The word denarius means ten piece. The bronze coinage was called an as, and that was a tenth of a denarius. So okay. ten bronze ases add up to one denarius. Um okay. and a um cistertius or sister, depending on how people, you know, decide to transliterate it. Um this, that word literally means two and a half. So it's two and a half as or a quarter of a denarius.
1: Mm, okay. So
0: sesterces and, denari- and denarii were in circulation at the same time. And it's just that um, a sesterce is a quarter of a denarius. Um, the funny part to me about this was eventually like during the Roman Empire sometime, um, the currency was devalued. And mm-hmm. so a denarius became 16 as is instead of 10. But they still wanted a sesterce to be a quarter of a denarius. Mm-hmm. So it also got devalued. <laughs> instead of two and a half as is, it was now worth four. <laughs> so that it would stay equal to a quarter of a denarius.
2: Excellent. Um,
0: I also tried to figure out what value these might have, um, like how this might correspond to modern money. Um, and basically the answer is who fucking knows, um, (laughs) estimates range from 50 cents to $1.75. Um, God only knows. I did look at, I got really nerdy about this. I looked at the value of metal. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, cisterces were were brass, um, and it was about like 25 or 28 grams. So approximately one ounce. On the scrap metal market, apparently, uh, that's worth about 10 cents per ounce, which would mean 10 million sesterces is equal to about $1 million. Um, (laughs) I think the more useful comparison, though... (laughs) The most useful thing I can tell you is that a day's wage in the early Roman Empire was about one denarius. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. So... (laughs) So, if I went to... McDonald's and plonk down like two denarii I could get like a Big Mac and some fries maybe
0: yeah um maybe more I mean I guess I I don't know I don't know what my own hourly wage is my daily wage um but I would imagine (sighs) that two days wages would get would hopefully get you more than a Big Mac yeah hopefully hopefully. that'd get you a few Big Macs (laughs)
1: Hopefully, yeah. I just I love the idea of showing up to a a McDonald's, and they're like, "All right, so that's gonna be uh, you know, th- three fifty or whatever," and you go, "Okay, here's two dinari," mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, "What? Well, I what the fuck is this?" And it's like, "Well, <laughs> let me tell you, it's four sesterces, I'll tell you that." <laughs>
0: That would be incredible
1: yeah I don't think you're getting your food though is the problem yeah yeah
0: yeah props not
1: so on the topic of uh, this week's uh, uh, topic Jesus um, Sarah what's your what's your relationship like with uh, Lysistrata
0: so I am pretty sure I read at least portions of this play in college as an undergraduate classics major. Um, I definitely read it in graduate school along with a couple of other Aristophanes plays. Um, We also had this um, thing, and I'll I'll tell you guys more about this later, but uh, my graduate program would sometimes do like readings of ancient works where we have a day and like we're continuously reading this author. All day, and you sign up for mm-hmm. your time slot, you know, and you you just pick up wherever the last person left off, and mm-hmm. you read for your allotted time, and you get through um, a couple of works in a day. And there was one year where it was Aristophanes, and we were we had a couple of plays that we were going through, and my time slot just happened to be a rather significant part of Lysistrata, um, and I'll tell you more about that when we get to that part Ooh, okay. of the play when we talk about it, but. Um, yeah, was acquainted with him in undergrad, learned a little bit more in grad school. Um, but it's definitely a part of ancient literature that I never, like, got too deep into.
3: Hmm. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, Luke? Yeah, for once, your boy knows a thing. Because we did, in fact, read this, or at least huge swaths of it in uh, my undergrad as well. I'm trying to figure nice. out what class. I don't remember, maybe English? which seems mm-hmm. kind of weird um, to read an ancient play in an English class. but then again, I guess we I guess it's not that weird. Um, yeah,
1: you do that in like high school.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway, I am I have not retained a whole lot, but the names are familiar and the plot is familiar. Um, so I actually know like a little bit about this, but I, there's a lot of gray edges and fuzziness, so I'm very excited to like sketch in the details, um, which just leaves you, Sam.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know that I ever read it. Actually, I was aware of it and the plot of it, but I don't think I ever read it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, if I could both draw you into um, Sam's video game cave for mm-hmm. just a moment,
3: God damn it. Um, I miss-
0: I've been scarred by Sam's video game cave. <laughs>
1: this this one's pretty quick. Um, in the uh, hit video game Assassin's Creed Odyssey, set during the Peloponnesian War, um, you do meet Aristophanes.
2: Hmm.
3: Is that is
1: so, that anything?
2: Okay. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is that something? <laughs>
0: I mean, he did live through the Peloponnesian War, so yeah. that's not like basically as long as we don't have a repeat of the Jason and the Argonauts situation. No, I,
1: I don't think so. I mean, I can do a quick look and see if there is anything Buck Wild that he no, did in let's, the, the video game.
0: Let's keep it where it is. It's in a very happy place right now. <laughs> well,
1: then, uh, then, then we'll uh, take a we'll run screaming from Sam's video game cave.
0: Uh, (laughs) Nice. Okay, well uh, Lysistrata is one of Aristophanes' more famous plays, for sure. Um, Aristophanes was a comic playwright. All his plays are comedies. Like any good comedian, his comedy is very timely, and Mm -hmm. frequently it is also political, so we have to at least gesture to the political situation of Athens while Aristophanes was writing, but we could literally spend days talking about this. So I'm going to give you like the briefest, like five minute version of the situation. (laughs) And we're just going to run with that. Um, Because I think the play still stands on its own without Mm -hmm. that background as well. So, um, so yeah, we're going to skip over a lot of stuff. Um, But basically we are talking about 5th century BCE Athens as the setting for where the, where this was written and where it was performed. Um, This is the golden age of Athens. Um, But it's also a hot mess in some ways. So, Mm -hmm. If we go slightly beyond the century and we look at a period of about 110 years, so starting in like 508, 507 BCE and going to 400, we see this like interesting pattern where this time period is bookended by major shifts in the way Athenian government works and particularly around issues of democracy. So there's like big democratic movements at either end Mm -hmm. of this period if you move in a little bit you get wars (laughs) so in the 490s 490 and 480 we get the persian wars that we Mm -hmm. talked about in our 300 episode um at the other end of the century from 431 to 404 we get the peloponnesian war um and so we have these two and then in the middle you've got like a 40 50 year period of stability. This is the age of the Athenian Empire. Um, Aristophanes is born into this period of time where everything is great. Athens is not only extremely wealthy but extremely politically dominant in Greece. Um, He begins his career during the early years of the Peloponnesian War. Peloponnesian War is between Athens and Sparta. And, of course, their allies are involved as well. Um, really, this is a series of smaller wars. There are lots of smaller conflicts and, like, brief periods of peace um, during this, like, 30-year period. Um, but it's it's an extremely complex war. We're not going to talk about all of it. I will link to a book in the show notes where you can read about the Peloponnesian War if you want. Um, <laughs> right. um, but basically... All we really need to know is um, other than a couple of brief snatches of peace, this war lasts from 431 to 404. So almost a 30-year period. In 404, Athens surrenders unconditionally to Sparta. Mm. Athenian democracy is abolished and a board of 30 oligarchs are put in charge of the city. And they are remembered as The 30 tyrants because Mm. they preside over basically a reign of terror in athens however they only last about 18 months and then rebels overthrow them and reinstate athenian democracy so it's sort of a chaotic period yeah um this is not however the first time that athenian democracy was abolished Athenian democracy was pretty radical for its time because men of all social classes were involved, uh, and you didn't have to like own property, uh, to partake in democratic affairs. Um, Mm -hmm. you could serve, there was, um, a daily payment for jurors who served, you know, in court cases so that you wouldn't have to worry about lost wages if you were a laborer or something like that. Um, for the ancient world, this is like, (laughs) this is hugely radical. Um, in 411 BCE, we're in the Peloponnesian War. 411 is the year that Lysistrata was produced. Um, and so the year that it was performed at a festival. Um, in 411, there's basically an oligarchic coup in Athens. Um, and these are like wealthy guys who are not a big fan of the broad-based um, and, like, direct democracy of Mm -hmm. Athens. Um, There's lots of social elite in Athens who look down their noses at this setup. So in 411, the war is not going well for Athens. They use this as an opportunity to argue that what Athens needs now is a small, elite group of leaders to take wartime policy firmly in hand. So basically, they play on voter fears, and they persuade them to vote a council of 400 into power. As opposed to the, you know, thousands of citizen men who would usually be participating and making decisions. Um, oh, okay. The Council of 400, though, was a disaster and it didn't last very long at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so this is the, so, the political situation, the year that Lysistrata is written and produced. Now Aristophanes is considered the greatest playwright of old comedy. Uh, like I said, he was born in Athens around 450 BCE. Um, he died sometime in the 380s BCE. So he lived through the the whole Peloponnesian War and a little bit of its aftermath. He was 60 or 70 when he died. Had about a 40-year career and wrote about 40 plays during that time. Um, Jesus. Only 11 of them have survived. Um, hmm. Drama was performed at big citywide festivals in antiquity um, this is where you um, where you entered your play and it was always a competition there was always an award given at the end um, and they, they announced like first, second, third place in these drama competitions Lysistrata was, was produced and entered in competition at a festival called the Linnea um, and I don't think this one won actually. But Hmm. Aristophanes did win first prize at the Linnea three times in the course of his career. Okay. The bigger festival, the much more prestigious one is called the city Dionysia. He won second prize at the city Dionysia twice, which is huge, but he also came in dead last at the city Dionysia with one of Mm. his plays. So, you know, he's, he sort of ran the gamut Mm -hmm. (laughs) of, uh, of success. Um, His plays are all full of parody and satire and exaggeration. They're timely. They're political. um, And there is actually an Athenian politician named Cleon, who apparently threatened to sue Aristophanes multiple times for slander. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he ever actually did it. Um, But Aristophanes really, he ridiculed everyone, politicians, politicians, public figures contemporary intellectuals the play that came in dead last is one that was making fun of socrates um and there is a story that apparently the i guess he made socrates the the whatever mask that the actor was wearing was like particularly ugly Mm -hmm. and socrates you know say what you will about socrates um he was a piece of work but he did he was able to laugh at himself. He had a good sense of humor and apparently he like stood up in the audience so people could like compare, like, is this what I look like? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, one other thing just to say generally about Aristophanes, um, you know, we, we have to be careful when saying anything about his personal politics Um, Mm -hmm. because this is a literary work, right? It's not, it's not like a speech in the assembly or something. Um, but old comedy does generally skew a little bit right wing in the sense of like wanting the status quo to be upheld, wanting to maintain traditional values, Um, traditional systems of government wanting the wealthy and privileged to maintain their prominence and their like social distance from the common people um Mm -hmm. at the same time you know like i said earlier athenian democracy is fundamentally quite radical and for its time relatively egalitarian keyword relatively um -hmm. And Aristophanes never does, like, come out against democracy in his plays. Um, he's not against democracy. He's just against poor people having as much privilege as they do in the democracy. Because mm. in in his worldview, right, poor equals unqualified. And so, um, yeah. So if you're looking for a lesson in Aristophanes, you'll never find one that is straightforward. Like any sort of, like, lesson you can glean from his plays is always going to be full of caveats. Um, No matter, like, what side of the political spectrum you sort of come out on. Um, Which may account for his longevity in an incredibly tumultuous time. You know, Mm -hmm. he survived two oligarchic revolutions and two restorations of democracy. And his plays were still hugely popular. So, you know... make of make of aristophanes what you will basically i
1: have a i have a hopefully quick question yeah if athenian democracy involved literal thousands of people how how did it actually work
0: it so i should have looked read more about this before we started um because this is one of those things that like i learned a few times Mm -hmm. but um don't retain the details of anymore (laughs) in my head. Um, but there was, um, there was an assembly of like all citizen men Mm -hmm. in Athens. Um, it was not a representative democracy like ours, right? We don't physically go and make laws. We choose people to do that for us. In Athens, it's a direct democracy. So any citizen man, any and every citizen man has a responsibility to partake in making laws. Um, that predictably was some, had sometimes chaotic results.
1: Yeah. Um, It's, it seems like either too much would happen or nothing would happen.
0: Yeah. And um, this, I think was a common complaint (laughs) Mm, Uh, of like, you know, getting that many people together and getting them to make decisions that actually work.
2: Mm-hmm. could
0: could be extremely difficult and because it was also like very easy to bring lawsuits in Athens you know this is another part of this sort of the equitable nature of the democracy was that anybody can sue anybody over basically anything
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: which like if you are a person lacking in any kind of social privilege and you have been wronged that's great right that you can bring that suit it also means that there were a lot of petty lawsuits and a lot of important things just got like bogged down for like ages in the courts Um, Mm, and like decisions were sometimes very hard to come to so so yeah it was um, it was sort of experimental and radical for its time it also had a lot of the problems that come with being experimental and radical for Mm -hmm. its time. Yeah. (laughs) So, and this is why uh, they were vulnerable to oligarchic revolutions from the inside, right? As soon as there's a... Democracy's great when you've got peace, and you have a navy that allows you to dominate the rest of Greece. Um, When your navy is losing, (laughs) and (laughs) things aren't going well then people start to question whether this is actually functional anymore.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I have a question about our dear playwright, um, because if we're talking about him losing in competition to other folks, it almost makes me wonder, like if, if we're thinking of him as the, the greatest comedic writer of his age, were there better folks that we just don't have records for? Like, or do we have a pretty good representation of the works of the time and the writers? Um, does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Um, and we don't have a lot of the others. Um, hmm. I think we have we have fragments. As far as I know, knock on wood. Um, Aristophanes is the only old comic. Who, like we have an entire play
2: mm, okay. still
0: in existence so yeah he I mean he did lose frequently you know he, he placed several times which is extremely impressive and like this is why we still have his plays because he placed several times in competition right. Um, but he did also lose frequently and like the year that the clouds came in dead last I have no idea what came in first like that yeah. didn't survive which is crazy so I think maybe, it. I think it must be a case of, like, looking at their, looking at playwrights' sort of, like, collective work rather than the individual ones, right? If you take Aristophanes' entire career, he was the mm. best. I gotcha. Um, oh, okay. Versus, like, people who had sort of one-off successes. Yeah. Um, and also, it makes yeah. you
3: wonder, too, I mean, like, if you took every Academy Award winner for Best Picture, <laughs> you'd get a lot of duds. Looking back a hundred years <laughs> later. So like like La La Land or whatever, right? Like one yeah, at a time. Green book. Green book. <laughs> so no I don't know that it means it means too much that he lost a lot, uh, maybe. But I was just curious. Yeah, that's uh that's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I should also say, I mean, I th- I've said this before, like this whole podcast should be taken with a giant grain of salt right but like especially this episode um ancient drama is so not my specialty Mm. um and there are uh there are people who like i had professors whose like entire thing was greek drama
1: Mm um okay
0: and uh i am not a greek drama person (laughs) I like it as I like it as much as the next person but like you want to talk to me about Dithyram and its influence on Greek tragedy no thank you you want to hand me oh Greek drama was written in verse also right you want to hand me a passage of Aristophanes and ask me to scan it like the meter of the lines no that's not happening
3: <laughs> like, I
0: I'm not good at it. You want to just, like, talk to me generally about, like, the whole competition setup. I can give you generalities. Um, unfortunately, that's it.
1: (laughs) The, so the, the comp, the big competition was the Dionysia? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, the city
0: Dionysia. And that one, um... It's both were festivals of Dionysus. The City Dionysia though, like people came from all over the place. The Linnea was really just Athens. The City mm. Dionysia was like Athens and a bunch of other people would come.
1: Gotcha. Mm. Did did they have hashtag city Dionysia is so white? <laughs> was that a problem? Did
0: did Maybe they should have. I-
1: my question really is, did Green Book win the city Dionysia one year? That, yeah,
0: you know, um, when he came in second, Green Book mm-hmm. was first, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Green Book over birds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if birds was one of the ones that went second. Anyways. Um, but yeah, that's Aristophanes, generally. Okay. Um, so we should talk about the plot of this play, because yes. it is fascinating and um just like one more little warning um it's very funny it's also like a little gross and disturbing like most ancient literature a little gross Mm -hmm. and disturbing um Mm -hmm. but also really funny so um so basically the setup of this play is the women of greece are fed up with the war remember this is produced 20 years into the peloponnesian war so there's one athenian woman named lysistrata and she has come up with a plan. She calls together all other Athenian women, as well as um, some representatives from other Greek city-states. Um, so this is she's, she's trying to get all the women of Greece in on this, not just Athens. And she says to them, if I've found a way to make peace, will you back me on it? And they're all like, yes, even if I have to sell the clothes off my back, even if I have to climb the tallest mountain, I would like literally slice myself in half like a fish being gutted in order to have peace. I'll do anything. We will back you. And she's like, Great. Here's the plan. <laughs> we give up sex. And they all go, Nope. Never mind. We'll just <laughs> let the war go on. Not interested. <laughs> uh, and oh, and also, all throughout these conversations, But especially in the conversations that are, like, just between women, um, it's just, like, one double entendre after another. So, like, you have to imagine that happening in this conversation as well. Um, And so there, the women are like, how would it even work for us to give up sex? Like, we have to remember that the ancient world's understanding of consent was sort of like consent in most of the 20th century, right? Men didn't care. And marital Mm -hmm. rape was not a recognized concept. Mm -hmm. Um, so the women are like, if we say no, they'll just force us. So like, what are we even doing? This doesn't like, this plan has a major flaw. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And Lysistrata tells them that the way around this is to just be as frigid as possible and make it no fun for their husbands. This is the best that they can do to get around the like marital rape issue here. Mm -hmm. Um, But she basically, she wants all of them to sit around in their houses, beautifully made up, wearing see-through clothing, but be on a sex strike until the men make peace. So make it as miserable for the men as possible. Meanwhile, all of the old women in Athens are going to occupy the Acropolis. Um, This is the original Occupy movement. Um, Mm -hmm. the, (laughs) The Acropolis is where the treasury is. And so they're, base- they're going to take possession of the treasury and cut off funding for the war. And
2: uh-huh. Lysistratus'
0: plan is that between the sex strike and controlling the treasury, this will hasten a conclusion to the war. And the men will be forced to quickly make peace. So she makes all the women swear an oath, repeating after her. And, like, in the play, it's, like, it's call and response lines. Um, I, I will leave out the line that is like sort of gross about rape, but um, would you guys, minus that line, would you guys like to take this oath with
1: me? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Oh my God, yes.
0: Okay, so repeat after me. I will not allow either lover or husband.
3: I will not allow either either lover lover or or husband
0: to approach me in a state of erection.
1: To approach approach me me in a a state state of erection. erection.
0: Now, at this point, one of the women is, like, fainting. She doesn't want... She, like, can barely bring herself to say it. And I will live at home in unsullied chastity.
1: And And I will will live live at home home in in unsullied unsullied chastity.
0: Wearing my saffron gown and my sexiest makeup.
1: Wearing Wearing my saffron saffron gown. gown... And And my sexiest sexiest makeup.
3: makeup.
0: To inflame my husband's ardor.
3: To inflame my
1: My husband's husband's ardor.
0: But I will never willingly yield myself to him. But But I will will never
1: never willingly willingly yield myself yield myself to him.
0: I will not raise my slippers towards the ceiling... (laughs)
1: i will not (laughs) raise Raise my my slippers slippers toward the ceiling ceiling.
0: i will not adopt the lioness on a cheese grater position i will Uh, not adopt uh, the lioness lioness on a a
1: cheese grater grater position. position
0: if i abide by this oath may i drink from this cup
3: if i abide by this if oath, i abide
1: by this oath may, may I, drink I drink from, from this cup.
0: cup but if i break it may the cup be filled with water
1: but, but if, if i break, break it may, may the cup, cup be filled, be
0: filled with, with water, water. okay lioness on a cheese grater yes please um, in antiquity a lot of like tools and implements like this handles would be carved in the shape of animals so Mm -hmm. a lioness on a cheese grater means like the handle is carved into the shape of like a crouching lion but it works very well as like a funny way to say doggy style
1: Mm. (laughs) okay did they call it doggy style though
0: i don't know (laughs) Mm.
1: yeah
2: there's
0: a there's a book about like swearing and like like gross words for like basically the, the um whatever the ancient greek equivalent of like fuck is uh and various sort of sexual innuendos there's a whole book about this but like i have not read it apparently it's very good uh, i need
1: oh. this book mm-hmm.
0: i know it's i know it's called the maculate muse okay.
1: Uh <laughs> oh my god
0: i haven't read it though but people who do who like study ancient mm-hmm. comedy, talk about it a lot and use it a lot.
1: Yeah, because I was about to say, I need some sort of Greek, ancient Greek Kama Sutra to, <laughs> to get an idea of what the what they had in their toolbox.
0: Yeah, well, they had lioness on a cheese grater. Lioness
1: on a cheese grater is exceedingly powerful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so So that's the oath. That Lysistrata mm-hmm. makes all the women swear. Congratulations, Excellent. we are now. Greece Lightning is now in a sex strike. Um, uh, yeah, hmm. I, I know. Not really. It's okay. Hmm. This was not binding. <laughs> can, can I?
1: Can I split myself in half instead?
0: <laughs> I mean, that would be my preference too. Tbh. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, but like this is what makes it so outrageous in antiquity is like their women the women are taking this extremely seriously right they swear and mm-hmm. oh they all like drink from the cup of wine to seal it, um. The refusing, refusing their husband's sex is not something that women have the right to do in ancient society. There is no legal or social basis for this. So. This is why, like, sex strike sort of transcends culture and time and being funny. But the, Mm -hmm. like, the outrageous and unrealistic nature of it is what makes it so funny in antiquity. Um, Like, to the contemporary Athenians who are watching this play for the first time. um, It's just, like, so out of the realm of possibility. Mm. And that's what makes it funny to them. Um, So they swear this oath, and then a group of men show up. We, like, jump up to the Acropolis. A group of men shows up with torches. They are going to literally smoke the old women out of the Acropolis where they have taken up residence. There's some tense words. There's some double entendres. The old women dump a bunch of cold water on the men and, like, put their torches (laughs) out, humiliate them. Um, a magistrate and some enforcers. I think basically, like, the magistrate's muscle, uh, confront Lysistrata and the other younger women Um, but the old women like come up with them and end up like intimidating the men the old women are tougher than the men expected Um, Mm -hmm. but they also like vastly outnumber the muscle men so the magistrate has to sort of back down and Lysistrata is like look we would love to stay home and be good little housewives but you men are making it impossible and our lives and our livelihoods of our families are at stake here. So we have to do something about it. So we're taking a stand and like, it's up to you to make, to end this so that we don't have to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's very, she's very forceful about it. So, We're supposed to now understand that, like, time is passing pretty quickly in this play. It's not all happening in a day, like it often does with tragedy. Um, Several days have passed. We're about halfway through the play. A lot of the women are starting to kind of wimp out. They're horny, and they're trying to come up with excuses to go home. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: Lysistrata has to keep, like, calling them back and be like, I don't care what your excuse is. We are staying on the Acropolis until this is resolved. Like one woman literally has a helmet under her dress and she's like, I'm in labor. I got to go. A midwife uh-huh. is waiting. And Estrada is like, you weren't pregnant yesterday. What's this?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the woman pulls the helmet out from under her dress. And she's like, I, she's like still dedicated to the lie. She's like, I, I thought I could catch the baby in it when it cut. Lysistrata <laughs> is like, get back inside. <laughs> no sex for you so she's like she's having to enforce it now on the women as well as the men um but then a husband shows up he's got their baby in tow uh and he's got a painfully large erection Hmm. um now wearing a like a large false phallus is um is a thing in ancient comedy. Um there were these plays called satyr plays where it would be like a regular myth but a bunch of satyrs show up and just like cause havoc and the satyrs would always wear these like massive erect phalluses um because it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they would just like flop around. Um so <laughs> this is quite common and like the plot of ancient comedy is often somewhat raunchy. Um, but in this case, right, it plays an extra role because like blue balls is the whole point of this play. Um, Mm -hmm. so this guy shows up with his kid and his massive erect phallus and is like begging his wife to come home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the wife has to go down and talk to him and she has to like tease him, but also like not actually give in. To his, like, Mm -hmm. begging for sex. So Lysistrata is, like, giving her a pep talk before she goes down. Now, um, remember how I said that I read a crucial portion of this play out loud? Mm. Like a public reading.
1: Oh, my.
0: I just happened to show up at the perfect time to get to read this scene with my professor.
1: Nice. Ooh, fun. Who was
0: older than my father. Uh, (laughs) Ah. No. But it's, oh, but it's so fucking funny. And, like, it was a little awkward at first, but then it was just so hilarious. So um, so Rob and I read this, like, dialogue together. Mm-hmm. Um, He's begging for sex, and she's like, oh, all right, fine, but not here. Like, not on the ground. We need a bed. We need a proper bed. And so she, like, gets the bed, and he's like, I don't care where we do it. Let's just do it. And she's like, okay, but, like, I'll go get a mattress. I'll be right back. So she runs out. She gets a mattress, and then she's like oh but you need a pillow for your little head let me go get you a pillow and she leaves again and comes back and she keeps doing this. she keeps like bringing something and then being like oh wait we need another thing we need another thing and like running off coming back running off coming back and he's like can we just please fuck already um <laughs> and eventually she just like goes to allegedly to get something else and just like never comes back <laughs> 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 so he's he's left there um. and then we like we switch scenes again all of the men show up all the fighting men of Greece all of them are also wearing these massive erect phalluses right so they're all like there's a scene where apparently the I think it's the Athenians come into the room and they're all like holding their cloaks out in front of them and the Spartans mm-hmm. are like how's it going? And they like drop their cloaks. So then you can see the tent. And they're like, well, <laughs> we're in the same position as you guys. <laughs> 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 but all the, all the men have come together. They're ready to talk. They want to see Lysistrata. They want to hear the demands. They want to make peace. Um, and this is where it gets kind of gross. So Lysistrata comes out of the Acropolis along with a beautiful young woman who is the personification of reconciliation. Human personification of values is not uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. But reconciliation is naked. So Lysistrata is giving this heartfelt speech about how there's so much that unites the Greeks across their political boundaries. They need to stop warring with each other, but the whole time the men are just like gawking at naked reconciliation going yeah sure whatever you say we're good with it just please let's let's do this so we can go home and fuck our wives um, So, <laughs> so they all agree to make peace and as they are discussing how to divide up the territory they do so by basically mapping out the territory on reconciliation's naked body so mm. Sparta is like we just want this hill and they're like gesturing to her butt uh and Athens is like fine we want these long legs I mean walls (laughs) (laughs) uh and so they just like divide up her body parts um as they are like deciding how they're going to make peace so you know as it ends everyone agrees to the settlement Lysistrata allows the women to go home to their husbands. Um, we dance, we kiss, we go home and fuck. Everybody's happy. And we have peace in Greece again. Um, this whole play is just like painfully hetero, painfully unaware of the whole concept of like prostitution. Like these men mm-hmm. had other options, you know? <laughs> um, but I think the idea is that Lysistrata has gotten to everyone, all women in Greece. Um so so that's the play. That's how it ends. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Which brings us to Shyrac. Mm-hmm. Yes. Had you guys seen this movie before?
3: No. I, I hadn't even shamefully heard of this movie. Before. Yeah, same thing.
0: I Which, I hadn't seen it either, but
3: Yeah, I say shamefully, but it seems like this was an amp- like the first amazon studios movie ever was it i believe so grain of salt but i'm i'm pretty sure it was the first if not it was one of the really early ones and it never saw like a theatrical release so i feel like it did kind of fly under the radar so it's really cool that we picked it up for this yeah
0: yeah yeah i only heard about it um i heard i did hear about it several years ago because like the younger set of classicists were very excited about this movie
2: mm-hmm.
0: um so I was like I should see this and I put it on my like movie list and there it sat and I never got around to watching it story of my life um <laughs> so I was glad to finally finally watch it um but yeah I hadn't actually seen it before either um but you, I mean Spike Lee can do no wrong <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what did you guys think of this movie it's
1: it's very different I'll say that it took me a little bit of time to like adjust to it
2: hmm.
1: um, because the the whole the whole movie is done in in meter uh, so like that that took me a little bit to to kind of get used to it, it is really funny it's also fucking grim uh yeah. so I had to split the watch over two days hmm. uh, I I started it uh one night and then I've I finished it the next morning which may, maybe not the best move yeah um but no like overall I I think it was a pretty solid flick it just uh because you know instead of like... A war. They're they're you know trying to get a, a stop to gun violence, and this movie is from twenty fifteen. Yep. It's it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. True.
0: Yeah, it was a brutal. Yeah, I mean, I I loved it, but it was a really brutal
1: watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But how about you? all
3: Go for it, Sarah.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, brutal watch. Brutal but beautiful, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed like they they explicitly tell you at the beginning of the movie that this is an adaptation of Lysistrata. Um, and I I really enjoy the way that they adopted this, um mm-hmm. and the things that they kept and the things that they changed. Um, and just sort of like little tiny allusions to um ancient myth and ancient history, like the two gangs are the Spartans and the Trojans. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a character named Oedipus and he's always talking about what his mommy says. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. somebody's like, Sometimes I think you're married to your mommy <laughs> <laughs> so like there were lots of like little things like that um lissa strada passing out earplugs when the men start playing like old r&b baby mm-hmm. making music um like reminds reminded me of um odysseus passing out beeswax to his crew when they were going to sail yeah. past the sirens like i feel like there's lots of little touches in this movie that are just amazing but yeah the the message of it and the fact that um, it's from eight years ago and it could have been made yesterday is mm-hmm. pretty depressing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Luke, how about you? You're you're fresher to this than, than Sarah and I are.
3: Yeah, uh, I just watched this movie. Like, finished it maybe 15 minutes before we jumped on the call. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to make of it, at first. Now, Sam, you famously struggle with uh, weird movies. Uh, I by do, your definition. yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, people talking in rhyme is a little too hinky. For uh, <laughs> see,
1: you're you're making me sound like some bargain bin dipshit, which I am, but also, I it it's just um it's it's hard to get into the rhythm of it
3: yeah no i understand and i feel like that's a good way to put how i felt about this movie up until about well i don't know it's interesting because it starts out like the until you hit the halfway mark it's pretty straightforward like they're talking in rhyme but it, Mm -hmm. it is like in this like grittier space and then they go take over uh You know, an armory or whatever you want to call it, Uh, Mm -hmm. and there's this guy wearing a um, a rebel flag underpants that she tricks and stuff, and like it's just sort of a suddenly you're in a different tonal space, and I wasn't sure what to make of it, but actually now that like I've had a little time to process it and I've learned a lot more about the play, I really liked this movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, It's a it's an interesting ride, and it's way more like. I don't want to say surreal because surreal is like a catch all for when stuff you just you don't get stuff. You're like, ah, oh, it's a little surreal. Uh, mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's pretty bang on for the original play as well. Like having things get a little wet and wild at times um, mm-hmm. matches the original play. So I, don't, I feel like uh, I feel like Spike did a great job with this one is where I is where I'm landing. But this is real time. You're watching me parse this in real time. So <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I had a good I had a good time. It sounds like consensus among all three of us is that we, this was a good movie for once. We're yeah, all sort of Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um it Yeah, I'm I'm not saying it wasn't a good movie. I'm just saying it's a bummer and it yeah. it takes there's there's uh it's like jumping into to a pool. You know, it takes you a minute
3: to acclimate to, to the water. Sure, one. yeah, mm-hmm. completely fair. Yeah, absolutely more than fair.
0: Yeah.
3: I, yeah, I it's did. definitely
0: not like a lighthearted movie night kind of.
3: No.
1: Movie. I. Uh, two notes that I have here are, I can't be funny about this, and this is making me feel. I see. Yeah. 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 So... So, so this hit me in a, a big way. However, um, I want to talk about Samuel L. Jackson. Sure. Yes. Because he's in this. hmm And there is not a series of words that comes out of his mouth that is not pure fucking golden, this movie.
3: Yes. He's my favorite yes. part of this movie, hands down. Yeah. Everything he does
1: is so goddamn good. Yeah, and delivered he's incredible.
0: perfectly mm-hmm. so perfectly
1: now is is he aping some sort of like convention in like greek drama
0: so i don't think so there's not usually a narrator in okay. greek drama we have choruses so like mm-hmm. there's a group of people that come out and sing a song partway through and then we have more action and then they sing another song and like sometimes the song is connected to the plot sometimes it's not. Um, mm-hmm. so Samuel L. Jackson felt a little more like Shakespearean to me almost, you know, where you have a character at the beginning or the end sort of give you the rundown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it worked really, really well for this. Yes. Like he really, his character really tied the whole thing together beautifully.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, and then, at, at no point did I fully understand why John Cusack was here. <laughs> it's a
3: fun one. <laughs> it's a fun one, right?
0: <laughs> I truly think that the only reason John Cusack is here is the movie set in Chicago. I, I <laughs>
1: guess.
0: And he's hometown boy.
1: Because he first showed up, and I went... Surely that's not John Cusack. Why would he be here? And then later, when he has a big old scene, I spent the whole scene going, Why you? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, I love that, like, later on in the movie, too, Nick Cannon is like, Why are you here? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. A very valid question, Nick Cannon. Yes. <laughs> I, too, would like this answer. Uh, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense there's a there's a whole constellation's worth of other stars that you could have picked and they did John Cusack
3: yeah yeah
1: I'm never gonna stop thinking about it is you, the problem
3: <laughs> do you think since this was the first Amazon Studios movie let's go with that that fact whether or not it's mm-hmm. true do you think they were doing a return to the studio system of the golden age of Hollywood whereby you would hire actors to be part of the studio? And was John Cusack the first hire? And they were mm. like, you're going to be in every studio movie that we do. And he was yeah. like, Groovy, what's the first one? And then they told him this. And he went, ah, shit. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you, sh- you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> You you could have picked anyone. Are yeah. you positive you want me? Got me got me <laughs> on the twenty movie deal, and right out of the gate, huh? We're doing this one, okay? Mm. It's job security. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Oh I'm gonna go look this up, and then we'll report back next next time uh, on okay. whether or not yes. John Cusack is in every single Amazon Studios. <laughs> Movie or not. I so I know he's not in their TV shows. Yeah.
1: Um but I imagine maybe they've bifurcated that. You know that T V deals are separate from movie deals and yeah. John Cusack's only in the flicks.
3: Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably.
1: Um and then I had I had one one big question. Okay. Uh at the end of the movie. Uh, or towards the end of the movie we, uh, we see uh, Lysistrata and, and Chirac are uh, sort of brought into a gym where a, a big brass bed has been set up and they're supposed to fuck on it while it's being televised a lot is made of the fact that it's a big brass bed I've never owned a big brass bed is there something magical about fucking out a big brass bed that I am missing? <laughs>
0: um, I mean, as someone who has also never owned a big brass bed,
2: mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. Um, mm. I would imagine it has something to do with the fact that, like, you have built-in handholds Sure, on you a can big brass get, bed.
1: You can get that on other bed frames, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no. No. I
1: well, Luke, have you ever owned a big brass bed?
3: Yeah, as the proud owner of a big brass. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, okay, but here's my here's my thinking. All right, what you so if I'm a general contractor and what you've told me mm-hmm. is I need a bed that can really you can go hammer and tongs on, and <laughs> uh, everything's gonna be just groovy. All right, well here's my here's my quote. You're gonna need a big brass bed because it's got the material that will hold up. To surreal mm. jungle gym maneuvers, it's got plenty of things got to you. grab. Um, it's gonna rattle appropriately, not too much, but not too not little. Not too you're, little. You're yeah. gonna know you're working. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think it's the perfect. It, obviously, someone picked it as a prop for this movie, right. but I think those are probably the justifiable reasons why this was this was selected.
1: 'Cause growing up I had a cast iron bed.
2: Ooh. Um, pretty
3: good. Pretty good. Pretty dad. good.
1: However, Luke, your point about it shakes just the right amount. A cast iron bed does not shake. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. in case in case mom and dad are listening, I don't know if that carries through to sexual activity because I did not have sex at that bed. Yeah. Um, it was it was a twin, so it's not no one's having anything there.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, Do you want to come but, back to my cast iron twin bed? My place is just around the corner. For some
0: minimally athletic sex. Yeah,
3: for some
1: cramped... It's it's one step above having sex in like a, a race car bed, I think. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. We're not gonna have fun.
3: You might it's, you might in a race car bed. I don't know. That's got <laughs> uh, If stress. it's a big <laughs> hey, if it's a big enough race car.
0: Vroom vroom. Uh, so okay.
1: Uh but that that does bring me to to my final question, which is could you perform in in under those circumstances? The the fate of the world. Upon your shoulders, a TV trained upon your
3: chambers. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you? How do you know this isn't my whole thing, Sam? Well, um, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. Um, I'd say personally, wouldn't know until I tried. Hopefully, that never comes mm-hmm. up.
1: Yeah, I've got bad news. Um, Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But but I want to get Sarah's answer first.
0: Um, I don't think there is any universe in which I could block all of that out to actually enjoy myself.
1: Yeah, it's...
0: That just would not happen.
1: It says a lot about, I think, the shared horniness and also mm-hmm. the absolute bravery of of these two characters, that they have what sounds like a very good time.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Luke, the bad news is that President Joe Biden uh, moments ago signed an executive order that said um, the only way to end gun violence in America is if you have sex on a big brass bed in public uh, mm-hmm. while it's
3: televised. Well... Like I said, there's only one way to find out. And if it's going to end gun violence, it's worth a mm-hmm. shot. You
1: know? Yes. Like, so, so folks, uh, tune into YouTube, uh, your Twitch. local PBS station, Twitch, <laughs> uh, Hulu,
3: HBO it's like, Max. It's like a uh, so much more pleasant version of the very first Black Mirror episode. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Which it's, I leave uh, unfilled in if you haven't seen it. I haven't. Okay. Uh, it's on freebie, too. Black Mirror or this movie? Uh, oh, your, your, my, my personal. Your sex to end violence. Yeah,
1: on
0: oh, good. With so it with It can be periodically interrupted with those gummy worm ads.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> I personally, I think, is going to bring a great energy. Um, yeah. Kind of however the proceedings go and your performance goes Luke I think those trolley commercials are gonna be really fun sorta
3: sorta intermissions yeah they get what they pay for with freebie you know mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, do, do, do y'all have any topics of discussion from this flick
0: Luke you go first
3: I have just one question a, a, a historical question okay. um because i'm curious about the original play is it as as a a proud shakespearean fan love me some shakespeare used to do a shakespeare book club big fan still wild to me that uh shakespeare's plays featured all male casts um for all the parts did they do the same in ancient times as well so like was our uh I believe they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a shame. That would have been cool if like Athens was like this funky, weird, liberal has de- has democracy, actually casts women in female parts, kind of groovy city. Like yeah, like the summer is 69 but in the middle of Greece. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why Yeah, I
0: why don't th- think they do.
1: It's it's why they uncovered all those stickers that said keep Athens weird.
3: Yeah, keep Athens weird on the old cars from that era.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on horse skeletons, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh man,
3: that's it. That's all I was curious about. Oh. Um, yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, I just, I have a couple of things, just sort of about the movie as a movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, the. A list. People, in this movie, even that are just have like brief cameos. Mm -hmm. That list is so long. Like I just feel like the cast for this movie is, you know, John Cusack, accepted, off the charts. (laughs) It's just incredible. (laughs) Like right, right down to Isaiah Whitlock Jr. coming in just long enough to do his trademark she. <laughs> yeah. You're not
1: wrong. This this cast isn't fucking credible. Yeah. Minus yeah. John
3: Cusack. Minus yeah. John Cusack. Minus I mean, working. No shade to John, John
0: Cusack. Cusack. Yeah. I do I do yeah. love John Cusack, but not here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's fine in uh in twenty twelve. Uh but here?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. not right. Um, I also uh, I looked up uh, and realized afterwards that um, so Spike Lee's writing partner for this movie, Kevin Wilmot, these two also co-wrote um, or Black Klansmen and Five Bloods. So hmm. this is like yet another Kevin Wilmot Spike Lee partnership that. Like, I hope they are still working together. Um, Yeah. Because clearly they have figured out (laughs) how, how to do things and like how to make really amazing movies. And I just, I feel like in general, the, like Spike Lee was the perfect person to make this movie because he's so good at doing funny and serious things mm-hmm. mixed together, right? And, like, at the end of this movie, he's talking about actual solutions to gun violence, right? Uh, and solutions to, like, systemic poverty and things like that. Um, he's He's got very serious concerns and very serious messages and also some really hilarious stuff, like, yeah. in terms of, like, writing and, and filmmaking that he's doing at the same time. And that's such a perfect encapsulation of... Aristophanes, you know, he's funny. Mm -hmm. He's got political messages and he's like very in your face. (laughs) And uh, I just, I feel like nobody else could have done Lysistrata justice the way that this Mm. movie and this writing partnership did. Um, Yeah. I just really, yeah, I just, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to watch in large chunks, but it's also. So fantastic and so full of like great one liners. There's something about I can't remember if it's the the cops that are talking to each other or or I think maybe the, this is when the governor is involved and one says you're a deviant bastard and the other one says that's why I went into public service. You know, like just <laughs> mm-hmm. little throwaways <laughs> <laughs> that are just that aren't throwaways at all. They're perfect. <laughs> yeah, they
1: it it makes it really effective. Yeah. Um uh, and and you're you're right. He is perfect at, at weaving those two like threads that, that I think you would typically think of as being like at odds with each other. Um weaving those together I like perfectly.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um do we want to give a rating? Ooh. Sure.
0: Let's do it. Okay. okay. I have one. Um so okay. I can go ahead and I'm giving this five out of five chastity belts.
1: Mmm.
2: Okay.
3: Mm. Um. I'm gonna rate this a one out of one big brass bed. (laughs) Mmm. Love it. Love it. Love it.
0: Very nice.
1: I'm gonna give this three out of three sexless months.
2: Mmm.
3: Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Um Love it. well, uh let's see. Next time on uh what I should say is our season finale. Ooh, uh whoop. we will be watching uh, let me double check. I'm pretty sure I have it. Alexander. Mm. The uh Colin Farrell flick. Uh, so so we are we are ending season one with quite a bang if memory yeah. serves. Uh, oh, so have you seen this one? It's been a very long time.
0: Okay, this is another one that has been on my should watch list for many mm-hmm. years, and I've never gotten around to it. So
1: okay,
3: Luke, have you seen it? I have not. Don't know a thing about okay.
1: it. Okay, I'm I'm very excited for next week, next time. Um. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, folks, you know, we, we, we got a season finale. We'll, we'll be back, you know, soonish. but, uh, you know, uh, until then, you can find us on Facebook at, uh, Greased Lightning Podcast, and that's G-R-E-E-C-E-D, haven't spelled it in a while. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Greased Light Pod. You can send us an email at greaselightningpod at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram. It's greaselightningpod uh, on Instagram. And uh, I would give you our Mastodon, but it's on mm. home.social, which I recently learned is being shut down. So yeah. I, I, I'm figuring that one out. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, check out check out Chirac.